Welcome back to the show. Before we get started, I just want to take a quick moment to make an announcement. My journal, a body love journal, 12 weeks to practice positivity, create momentum and build your healthy lifestyle is up for pre-order and it will ship December 29th, just before the new year. This project is a passion project created out of a decade of practice with my clients. What I found was that clients who used food journals used it as a way to control. It became a place of guilt and shame instead of positivity and momentum. My suggestion to them was always to write down what was positive on their plate, not to journal every bite or sip, but to journal the intentional additions to their plate that elevated their health and nourished their body. What they saw was power, momentum, and consistency in eating healthy and adding nourishing foods to their plate. I have the same approach with getting my to-do list done and feeling and practicing gratitude. It's a short list of things that are very manageable and very specific, but that's how we get it done, get consistent, and feel really positive and grateful about it. So go check it out and don't forget to tag me if you snag a journal. All right, let's get to the show. Today's guest is Candace Birch. She's a hormone health educator and the founder of Your Hormone Balance, a hormone testing and consulting practice that helps people of all ages detect hormone imbalances that negatively impact their health and longevity. She has 30 years of experience, so let's dig into the juicy details with Candace now. So, I mean, when someone says hormone imbalance, I know people can think a number of different things, but what are some signs and symptoms of a hormone imbalance and what hormones are we talking about? This is one of the most important things. I think if your listeners take anything away, it is to be aware of the signs and symptoms of hormone imbalance. And generally, they're those very things that plague you during your menstrual cycle. And some of them are, you know, things that you wouldn't have thought of. But but I'd say the hallmark symptoms are heavy, painful periods. Um, I think I remember when I was in college and we would all go off to the frat parties on Friday and there were a few gals that stayed in the dorms curled up in a fetal ball because they were having their period. And it was always expected that it would be the most terrible experience and they'd be out of commission for days or you know, had to leave work or had to leave courses in school. And, and it just we all took it as normal. Oh, Patty's having you know, her period. But that is numero uno, not uh, something to be accepted as, oh, my mom had heavy periods, my grandmother had heavy periods. Heavy painful periods are a a hallmark sign of estrogen dominance, which is one of the most common signs of of, um, hormone imbalance, which really to define a hormone imbalance, it is that our hormones should be in a certain kind of synchrony, Um, not, you know, they... Think of synchronized swimmers. I don't know if your listeners are old enough to remember Esther Williams, who did these famous movies in the 40s where all the swimmers were in perfect pedal formation, pointing their toes in the air. And if you imagine one of those swimmers as estrogen, another as progesterone, another as testosterone, um, another as DHEA, the most abundant hormone in the body, and, and others as cortisol, the stress hormones, um, if all of those if all of those swimmers decided to swim in different directions or dive to the bottom of the pool or splash around and take over the whole routine, that's kind of what we're thinking about when we get into a hormone imbalance. Or sometimes it's described as think of an orchestra playing all the instruments playing in tune. But what if one instrument is out of tune? Then the whole symphony is lost. So that's kind of how it works with hormones. 
Um, and the major ones I, I just mentioned all interact and are interdependent. So when one goes up, the other goes down. You can even think of a seesaw. You know, excesses of one hormone often create deficiencies of another. And with that go these symptoms, heavy periods, um, bad PMS, you know, the pass me the shotgun type of PMS. I always repeat that phrase, but, you know, people feeling like they're ready to kill their husband or get divorced every time their, their period comes around. Um, migraine headaches, uh, the woman that actually put the term PMS on the medical map was a, uh, a physician in England back in the 50s who had suffered with migraines since she was an adolescent and found that when she was pregnant, she didn't have any migraines. So she started studying what are the hormones that are running through your body when you're pregnant and came up with a very interesting look into um, you know, a lack of hormones uh, when you're not pregnant, but how hormones go back to low or imbalanced levels. And um, the key one there was progesterone. Um, also, um, uh, PMS is, is major. Also, gaining weight, uh, bloating, water retention, not being able to lose weight, um, and you know, just feeling tearful and out of sorts and, and irritable and with, you know, with all the people you love best in all the world. Uh, polycystic ovaries, infertility, all kinds of long-term issues can, derive, can, can develop with the hormone imbalance. Wow. Yeah. There are so many, so many things at play. And it's interesting being you know, only a few weeks away from delivering a baby. And I normally feel phenomenal when I'm pregnant. So I can't, that resonates with me. I, I don't, I wouldn't say I have PMS or strong symptoms of PMS and never have, have I had a history of of heavy periods or, you know, an inability to go to classes growing up or anything like that. But I definitely feel energized throughout pregnancy. And I can only imagine what relief she must have felt to not have those symptoms. Um, so I guess, yes. <laughs> I guess I'm curious when it comes to, you know, estrogen dominance being so prevalent and that cascading into imbalancing other hormones as well. How can we test for hormones. And specifically what I'm interested in talking to you about today is like the difference between saliva, blood, and urine, because there are so many different functional MDs and naturopaths that I consult with. And we have you know clients and patients together. Um, and there are multiple different ways that different doctors test for hormone imbalances. Um, what's the best way? How right. are they different? What what should we know when it comes to like the diagnostics of testing for hormone imbalances? Um, well, I'm firmly in the uh, saliva testing camp, and that's probably because when I went into my perimenopause, I had you know when the hormones really start to fluctuate up and down, and you find yourself on the roller coaster with the mood swings and gaining weight and having horrible periods and all of that, or irregular periods or no periods, um, I was really scaring my children. Mm -hmm. I had two little girls. I started late in life as a mom. I didn't have a, uh, children until I was 37 and 41. And so I was in the, in the thick of it. And I noticed one day that Ryan, my little one, had tears in her eyes. She was afraid of me. And I thought, okay, I got to get this under control. This has to be a horm hormone issues are starting to, to rear their ugly heads. And I found out that there was a test for hormone imbalance. And 
it was a saliva test um, run by a naturopath in the town I was living in. And from that time on, uh, it's a simple non-invasive test uh, that measures bioavailable or active levels of hormones in that have actually left the bloodstream and have moved into the tissue, the, the cells, the target cells of the body where hormones do their work. Um, so that from that first test and you know finding out that I had uh, an imbalance of estrogen and progesterone, my testosterone was low, um, my cortisol stress hormones were high. Um, saliva also is the gold standard for measuring cortisol stress hormone levels throughout the course of, the, of one day. To, to uh, assess adrenal function, you need to measure cortisol, the hormone that adrenals make. 24-7. We're not talking about the fight or flight adrenaline, but everyday cortisol that helps you take stress and stride has to be measured morning, noon, evening, bedtime. It's pretty hard to get a blood test to measure those four points in one day. So, And, and also needles cause stress and can skew test results. So saliva being non-invasive, convenient, um, able to test at home, at the proper times and testing actionable uh, active levels, bioavailable levels is a preferred method that I have seen developed since I started working at a hormone testing lab, a major hormone testing lab back in 2000 when functional medicine was just blossoming and doctors were starting to move to testing this way because it correlates so well with symptoms. Now, blood draws are fine for people that are, you know, just want to get uh, their their total hormone levels measured. But blood tests often measure, you know, blood serum is measuring. Um, it's not necessarily measuring active hormone levels that have moved out of the bloodstream into the tissue, and that's there's a whole conversation around that. But hormones are carried on blood cells uh, with a binding protein. So they are considered bound and inactive when they're in the bloodstream. So if you want to get a more uh, a closer look at what's actually available and at work, saliva is preferred. And then there's urine. And they're, and they're all... Each of, these, each of these methods can provide good information. Urine testing, as in Dutch testing, I know Mark Newman very well, who runs the, the Dutch testing lab here in the town I live in, in Oregon. Um, he, he is very brilliant about testing metabolites of hormones in urine. So instead of testing the active levels in your tissues where, where hormones are doing their thing or measuring total levels in blood serum, in urine, you're measuring hormones that are done, that are finished, and are moving down the metabolic pathways for uh, metabolism in the liver and then excretion. So all three of those methods are measuring different aspects of hormone balance. If you're measuring metabolites in urine, you can, you can track the pathway that estrogen is going down. And that's a really good way to to find out if possibly you're at risk for a breast cancer because there are three pathways that estrogens go down and only one of them is the pathway, the good pathway. There are good and bad pathways. Um, if you test saliva, you're going to have a better look at how your what uh, imbalances we're identifying are correlating with the symptoms you're experiencing. 
And if you're testing blood, you usually just get numbers without much explanation or correlation of symptoms, but it can provide you know, a general look at, at where your total hormone levels are. And hopefully that made sense. <laughs> yeah, no, that made perfect sense. And it actually made me really interested in understanding a little bit further about the three estrogen pathways. And if, say, for example, someone is metabolizing or breaking down estrogen in one of the two unpreferred pathways, how do we get it back online so that we're breaking down estrogen and preventing estrogen dominance? You know, I was just interviewing on my own. I, I just started a podcast myself with a nurse practitioner in town. We're calling it What Women Talking Frankly, WTF. That's and funny. we interviewed, yeah, and we've only said the F word once. So we're pretty, we're not really as brave as we sound. But, <laughs> we, but, but we just interviewed, because it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month, we just interviewed um, Dr. David Zava, who is the co-author of an important book that everyone should read who is concerned about breast cancer and preventing breast cancer, which is the cure, really. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he he wrote with Dr. John R. Lee, who really put bioidentical hormones and, and natural hormones on the map. He wrote the book, What Your Doctor May Not Tell You About Breast Cancer, How Hormone Balance Can Help Save Your Life. And he was making the point in the in the interview that it's it isn't as much about how much estrogen you have in your system, although you don't want to have a lot of estrogen because you don't want to have too much, let's put it that way. You don't want to be dominant because estrogen is a very potent growth hormone. Mm -hmm. It grows tissue. And when we have too much estrogen relative to progesterone, its balancing partner, that's when we start to have heavy periods because that endometrial lining starts to thicken. That's what estrogen is doing. In the absence of progesterone, it keeps thickening, thickening it in between cycles. You know, that's when we see fibroids and cysts and endometriosis and, and breast cancers down the road. A good over 90% are linked to high estrogen. But as he was making the point, it's also just as much where that estrogen goes in the body. Does it go down the 2, 4, or 16 metabolic pathway? These are hydroxy, these, this gets into biochemistry and I'm not a biochemist, but I can tell you that the two pathway is the good pathway. And we do want to steer our estrogens down that pathway. And the way we do that is what's just as important to that, you know, to, to estrogens going the right way and preventing estrogen dominance is that we sleep at night the right amount of, of time in a dark room that we manage our stress that which sounds simpler than you know it, it is not as simple as it sounds and we can talk about that but that we we reduce inflammatory activity so that means reducing stress and cortisol stress hormones that means eating anti-inflammatory foods omega 3s getting plenty of fiber your famous fab 4 the fats fiber protein and greens are so important to prevent a Mediterranean sort of diet, to preventing inflammation because it's the inflammation that steers estrogen down the wrong pathways and creates estrogen dominance. Um, That's one of the reasons we talk about eating cruciferous vegetables like crazy. If you can eat, uh, you know, add them to every salad and your smoothies, um, 
because cruciferous vegetables have within them a component, a, a compound called dindole-L-methane or DIM, which actually helps to promote estrogen down that good pathway. So it actually helps to remove excess estrogens from the system, even accumulated estrogens that have come from what we call endocrine disruptors or xenoestrogens, those man-made chemicals in the environment that are so foreign to our bodies, but that act like estrogens and increase our estrogen burden. So, so eating an anti-inflammatory diet, getting loads of you know Brussels sprouts and broccoli and cauliflower, taking DIM. If I see a test result where someone's estrogen level is really high, um, I definitely will suggest that they actually supplement with DIM. To, because it's hard to eat two pounds of Brussels sprouts every day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so any, you know, basically, it, com- it comes down to you know, leading that life that is apart from the excesses in processed foods, making sure that you're not going... You know, when you go into the grocery store and you get that good protein, if you're still eating meat and dairy, it needs to be organic and hormone-free. Because you know the cattle and milk and dairy industry shoot their cattle up with uh, artificial hormones, basically estrogens, because estrogens grow things, right? So they want to grow their cattle fat faster. That makes us fat faster and also increases our estrogen burden. Those, those chemical estrogens get into the cells. And unlike a natural occurring hormone that opens the door to a cell, they always use the analogy, a hormone is like a key and the cell is like the lock on the door and the hormone opens the door and goes in and starts flipping all the master switches. Unlike that lovely scenario, a xeno hormone or a chemical hormone that mimics estrogen, won't, it won't open the door nicely with the key. It'll kick the door open and then just kind of overstimulate the cell. It's kind of like that that visitor that comes and stays on your couch and won't leave, you know, how do you get rid of them? <laughs> Definitely. Well, you you have made me curious about a few different things. One, I want to talk about the hormone levels we should be seeing and looking for on our on our diagnostic testing. Um, if we're using saliva, what, what uh, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone and cortisol numbers should we look for? And then let's jump back into um, into the ways that we can kind of break down these xenohormones, xenoestrogens, and where we might find those to try and avoid them. Right. Um, well, I'm just looking at a test result today. Um, this woman had, um, let's see, I'm just she's 41 years old. So she's going into, you know, this is when perimenopause starts, late 30s, 40s, depending on how much stress we have in our lives, that can complicate the matter and, you know, pl- uh, catapult us into shifting roller coaster hormones sooner. So this woman has a higher estradiol level. We're measuring estradiol, which is the most potent of the three estrogens. Her level is 7.4 and the range, the healthy range is 1.1 to 7.8. So she has, and this is in a saliva test. So she has, that's nanograms per milliliter. She has a high estrogen. Her progesterone is down around 99, which is the very low end of the normal range in a healthy woman in her, you know, she, she of course is, is moving into perimenopause. So her hormones are fluctuating, but 
the big uh, measurement that is really important with this testing that we do is called the PGE2 ratio. And that is looking at the proportion of progesterone, that benign balancing hormone, which is also, by the way, the pregnancy hormone, hugely important for a successful, happy pregnancy. Progesterone produced upon ovulation stops the the growth uh, activity of estrogen in the luteal phase. That second half of the phase when we ovulate is when we make progesterone. So her progesterone estrogen ratio is quite low. The range is, we're looking for a range between 100 and 500 and she's at 29. So that ratio tells me that she is, along with her high estrogen, she is very clearly estrogen dominant. Mm-hmm. And she has many of the symptoms that we would that that go along. And we also have people check off like 144 symptoms that we want to know about. And you know, it's it's really a relief to people when they get a test result to hear that, well, you know. These levels look like are definitely estrogen dominance, and no wonder why you're having a hard time losing weight. No wonder you're bloated. No wonder you have horrible PMS. Um, no wonder your periods have always been heavy and painful. You know, it it really is helpful to know that there could be there can be reasons for this that have to do with your hormones. Um, and then that gets into conversations about how do we do some rebalancing that's natural. But to just get through the test, her testosterone was quite low. Um, much of te- good fifty percent of testosterone is made uh, in the ovaries. So if 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 ovulation is becoming wonky or erratic, as it can as it will during perimenopause, and as it do- as it does in younger women also. Who are under a lot of stress or have, who've been on birth control for many, many years. Um, her testosterone's quite low. So she's, she's dealing with a low libido. She told me she had absolute, she just kept talking about how tired she was, but she had no stamina, no energy, no ability to work out, you know, no tolerance for exercise. Testosterone is one of those hormones that builds bone, it builds muscle, it builds your drive. It, it, it's, your zest for life. It's even your mental sharpness. So when it's low, people have brain fog. They just feel lethargic. Um, and her DHEA was low, or not low, but in the middle. DHEA is the most abundant hormone in the body. Hers is, and it should break down to testosterone and estrogen, but her, her DHEA is not high enough to be doing that. And then her cortisols, interestingly, cortisol should be highest in the morning and then gradually drop to the lowest point at night so that you know the cortisol is working to provide energy throughout the day, help you take stress and stride. Her, her level is good in the morning, except when I asked her how she felt in the morning, is she feeling rested? Is she ready for her day? Is she pumped and ready to go? She said, oh my God, no. I have to you know, do everything to drag myself out of bed. So that's one of the first signs of adrenal fatigue. If you have a cortisol level that looks okay in the morning, but you're not waking up rested. And then indeed, her cortisol level drops, actually plummets instead of going gradually throughout the day. It's actually plummeting to a very low level at noon. It's low in the evening. It's low at night. It should be lower in the evening and night because we want to have you know those hormones calming before sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a big connection with appetite hormones, hunger hormones, and cortisol that is high at night. 
but she's exhausted. She's, she's tired all day long and she has no energy for anything. And she's very, very emotional. This is where you get weight gain around the waist when cortisol levels are underperforming. They just can't meet the demand anymore. And it's usually, you see this kind of picture after a couple years of, of stress piling on or during a period of heightened stress. And indeed, she told me that she had moved from Bulgaria to this country. She had a new baby. She's now a single mother and she's working and it's COVID. And, you know, so, <laughs> so there were this whole test, however, validated what was going on with her. And helped her to feel like, okay, there's a reason for the why I feel this way. I actually have my hormones are out of out of sync. Wow. So when you have a client that you're working with and you get these um, test results back and you you confirm estrogen dominance and you confirm that you're potentially dealing with um, some adrenal fatigue and all of the symptoms are lining up. She feels relief, obviously. Um, and I've seen this with a number of functional MDs that I've worked with because it can just be, you just don't feel crazy anymore. You're like, okay, here we go. Mm-hmm. Now I have an idea of what's going on. Yeah. How do uh-huh. we start? How do we approach this? Because there are so many, so many layers. And as you mentioned earlier in the show, if estrogen is dominant. It's expected that progesterone would be in the tank. How do we start to mm-hmm. naturally rebalance so that whether if someone has, weight gain or um, you know symptoms where they're just like their libido and their energy and and their all of that's in the tank how do we start to like I said rebalance so we get the weight gain and the energy back and that consistent energy and uh, really support that cortisol curve too and where do you start there are so many places to start, but I think it's really important to start with the with the adrenals because of the adrenal glands. And, and I find in the functional medicine world, uh, that has to be the approach because cortisol really is, you know, <laughs> Dr. Zava referred to it as the, the cortisol and thyroid is the king and queen of hormones. They work hand in hand. Um, and if you're if your cortisol hormones are not able to be produced in amounts that are adequate enough to moderate and regulate blood sugar and insulin, which really is the source of our energy, um, that's when we start to gain weight. Um, if insulin levels have to, you know, if we become insulin resistant because there's too much, uh, there, there's poor regulation of blood sugars, or we're eating a diet that's high in carbs and processed foods and insulin can't even manage to handle all that surplus sugar, insulin quickly becomes a fat storage hormone and we start to gain weight. We also can't sleep. If we're not sleeping well, there's a huge association. We may be hardwired to overeat because... And I know you talk about hunger hormones quite a bit, but there's a big connection with cortisol imbalances and um, the upset of appetite hormones because they actually work on the sleep-wake cycle as does cortisol, You know the diurnal rhythm of cortisol. And if cortisols are off at night and throughout the night and melatonin is off, then we tend to have this upset or reversal in hormones. So the ghrelin, the hunger hormone, increases so that we feel hungry more often. Leptin goes down, the hormone that tells us we're full just making it very simple. But those are the people that tend to feel hungry more often 
or have cravings for sugar and fats and um, you know and and salty foods, etc. So and also with adrenal issues, you you can't burn calories efficiently. You tend to feel lethargic. You you don't have energy. You're you're irritable. Your libido's down. So. Looking at what I do is I have an action plan that I send to people and we break it down into the different imbalances that were detected in the testing. So if there's adrenal imbalance, of course, there's always that conversation about, so when's the last time you went and had some fun? You know, Make a list of the 10 things you love to do most in all the world that, that relax you and bring you joy. That's an easy list to make. The point is go back through the list and, and check off when's the last time I... Uh, went camping or or sang in the shower or had a facial or did some yoga or took a long break. You know, women are really notorious for taking care of everyone but ourselves. And I find that women often say, oh yeah, I, I love to scrapbook or I love to paint, but I haven't done a drawing in ages. So there's that. And then there's supporting the adrenals. And one thing that's really important, especially in this ties in with estrogen dominance is Topping up with a little bit of bioidentical progesterone cream, if people are really low in progesterone, you can use Vitex Chaseberry, which is an herb that causes a, uh, the pituitary to, to signal a surge in a hormone called LH, which signals the production of progesterone. So you can use the herb Chaseberry, which is also called Vitex. That can help increase progesterone, or you can use a cream a bioidentical plant-based cream that is a far cry from synthetics. It's nothing to do with synthetics. And I'm mentioning that because the adrenals actually use progesterone as their precursor for the production of cortisol. So all of these hormones break down to, uh, to produce the raw substance, the material from which other hormones are made. And as it happens, progesterone being in adequate amounts is key to adrenal function. And then that relates back to, okay, so if your adrenals are down and your estrogen dominant, those two imbalances kind of viciously work off of each other. And it's all about this low progesterone. Um, and um, that's where you want to look at foods that increase progesterone, where you're eating foods that are rich in vitamin B, you know, nutritional yeast and dark leafy greens and wheat germ and I'm sure you could list many more, but there are, you know, there are good foods to eat. There are the fats are absolutely crucial. So these are the things. It's a combination. It's never just one thing. It's finding ways to de-stress. It's finding ways to, you know, to breathe deep, to get out in nature, to get some B vitamins in you and some B produce, you know, foods that are rich in B vitamins because they are so important for adrenal function. The adrenals really need B vitamins to function. And then there's also adaptogenic herbs, which I'm sure you talk about quite a bit, Kelly, but you know, things like um, dung kwai and ashwagandha and eleuthero and reishi mushrooms. And uh, I'm sure people have heard of ginseng, these, these herbs that have been studied on astronauts and Olympian athletes that have been shown to actually nourish and strengthen adrenal function. And I would say everybody... And I, I do suggest some tinctures that um, are blends of adaptogens because there are so many adaptogens. It's hard to take them all in one... You know, you can take a capsule, but 
some people get tired of taking capsules and, and absorption is great with, um, with tinctures. So it kind of goes like that. I have this action plan that goes through all the different imbalances and says, here are the herbs, here are the supplements. If bioidentical hormones are needed, and usually it's something like progesterone or a natural estriol, a, a benign estrogen, if you're moving into menopause and you really need some help. Um, so it's a combination of, of all the good things, the things that we know are natural that work pretty well to restore hormone physiology. What we're trying to do is just kind of mimic um, hormone, our own natural hormone physiology by using things that will replenish and rebalance. Definitely. And you touched on um, synthetic hormones. I- I'd love for you to explain further the difference between the natural versus synthetic hormone therapy options and um, what are the like associated side effects with those? This was such a huge thing when I first started working at um, the hormone testing lab that I was at for a good 12 years. We, we had a couple of years into it, the Women's Health Initiative was published and it was the first long-term clinical trial of um, the use of HRT, synthetic hormones like Premarin and Prempro, which are combinations of synthetic pregnant mare's urine and synthetic progestin, which is not progesterone, but a, you know, a, a completely different molecule. And that, that combination was found in the Women's Health Initiative to actually be increasing rates of breast cancer, heart attack, uh, it was doubling the rates of blood clots and and forty one percent increase in stroke. It was a twenty nine percent increase in breast cancers, significant increases such that the the study had to be halted, citing greater risk than benefit. Um, and that was in women using a combination HRT that had been used for a good forty, fifty years in this country. Um, one of the number one uh, prescribed drugs for women in menopause ever since the 60s when uh, Dr. Robert Wilson went around the country, paid, paid by Wyeth Aris, the uh, pharmaceutical company that was making Premarin mm. and telling every woman, every woman that if you want to retain your womanhood and not turn into an old crusty crone who nobody <laughs> wanted to spend time with, he used these words like shriveled hag, and oh you know if you didn't want to become a, a neuter, a mutant, or so, it was just. And he was paid by this pharmaceutical company. He wrote a book called Feminine Forever, and millions of women started using this Premarin. Then there was a big shock because millions of women saw that uh, ovarian cancer, uterine cancer rates skyrocketed. So that's when they, because of course, estrogen grows that uterine lining. So that's when they added in a synthetic progestin. And it was, wasn't until 2003 that we finally had a long-term study. Was this stuff helping us or was it, was it really preventing breast cancer and heart disease? And what the study found was, though, it wasn't really preventing it. It was actually causing it. Wow. And there have been other iterations of the Women's Health Initiative and different people have different views about it. But nevertheless, it stands a wake-up call that synthetic hormones can be very potent 
They are usually prescribed one size fits all. So you, me, my mother, our aunt, the lady down the street, the woman in the grocery store, we're all put on the same hormones. How can that be? So when that study came out, it was it was major headlines everywhere. And that's when people started becoming aware of the fact that there are more, there are safer alternatives to synthetic hormones, and they're called bioidenticals. And they've been used by European women for, for decades. And what bioidentical means is that instead of um, a big pharmaceutical company creating a fake um, synthetic version of our own hormones, the bo- hormones that our own bodies make, you know, pharmaceutical company has to create, create a new molecular structure in order to patent that as a drug and to sell it at a profit. But we have bioidentical alternatives that are not a different molecular structure. They are made to be the exact molecular structure as that key that fits into our cells. So a bioidentical is made to be exact. It's made to duplicate structure and function. It's made out of plants, not out of pregnant mare's urine. We are not horses. <laughs> um, it's made from yam, you know, wild yam or soy-based compounds. In minute amounts, we use it. I call it Goldilocks doses. You're trying to just mimic Mother Nature, natural physiology. So you're using a very small amount of this hormone should testing show that you need it. And what you're trying to do is also use it during the time when your body would be making it. So if a woman is still in uh, having periods, if she's a cycling, still cycling, and maybe she's in perimenopause and she's on the roller coaster, and I've had women describe Jekyll and Hyde mood, mood swings, you know, who can live with that? You use a bit of, or they're not sleeping. That's the, I, I didn't mention that. Not sleeping is a major symptom of hormone imbalance. Not being able to fall asleep or stay asleep. Um, but using a small amount of a bioidentical can duplicate your own physiology and, and create a better balance between all of the hormones. And, and I think many women have found that you know a little bit can go a long way in relieving symptoms naturally. And even helping women to ovulate, you know, that's another issue I have to talk to women about all the time is especially younger women. Why are we not ovulating? This is where, you know, it gets into the, some women who are younger have the same symptoms and the same levels as women in menopause. What's going on? That can have a lot to do with a lack of ovulation. And often that gets into things like over-exercising. So many people are desperate to lose a little bit of belly fat or the last five pounds and they're on that treadmill or they're doing the spinning classes or they're doing nothing but high intensity workouts. What does that do? It exhausts the adrenals. They can't keep up. Um, And that, again, gets back to addressing adrenal stress. So over-exercise is not a good thing. A lack of protein. So people who are, uh, you know, strict vegetarians or vegans, and I might get in trouble for saying this, but I do think that Often I talk to people who have been following that sort of a diet for a long time and their go-to, they will admit, is carbs. Often they'll be eating too much processed food in the absence of enough protein. And there are good ways to get... you. Know, there's plenty of good plant-based protein out there. We just need to put it together in the right ways. Um, you know, 
such great things like quinoa and chia seeds and 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 mixing together you know the right components to get a complete protein protein smoothies are the easiest way to go pea protein smoothies are excellent for getting a good dollop of you know 20 or more grams of protein into your diet so that you can ovulate and make those hormones and then good fats so I'm just preaching to the choir here, Kelly, and I'm sure all of your listeners have heard you say this over and over, but good fats and protein are the building blocks of hormones. So if your diet is restricting those things, it's very likely that you're not able to either make the hormones or, you're, or ovulate. Um, this can also affect conception as well. So I'm, I'm all over the place here, but hopefully... I love that- it. You are preaching yeah. to the choir and it's making me, you know, it's just, it's fun for me to be able to have those light bulb moments and those aha moments when I'm talking to people like you who specialize in specific areas. Cause I think about like, you know, I specifically think about that um, lack of progesterone for people. And I think about, you know, what you just said, have, how B vitamins are so, so important and B vitamins are so heavily present in certain types of of animal proteins that make it make it easier yeah. to absorb and have those B vitamins be bio, bioavailable. And then knowing that B vitamins are th- synthesized in the gut and we have make, that make them even more prevalent to our body or you know available to our body. And we look at gut breakdown and we look at, you know, we just, you're, when someone says it's, it's black and white and it's calorie counting or it's macros and I look mm-hmm. at it and I go, oh my gosh, this is a, there's a way bigger picture here. And, and hormones yeah. really, really dictate so much of all of this. So some of the key takeaways... They rule. They rule. <laughs> they seriously king yeah. and queen and, and they do rule. And when I, I, yeah. you know, things that sort of stood out for me that you were saying was really just looking for that low progesterone levels based on the fact that it's having such an effect on our adrenals. And then we're seeing that imbalance of elevated estrogen and low progesterone. It seems like that seems to have like a two-pronged effect. Like you said, you're dealing with some adrenal issues and then you're also dealing with sex hormone imbalance and imbalances yeah. as well. So so now that we've sort of like addressed the adrenals and I have one more question on that because there's, as you said, there's the chase berry, there's bioidentical versions of these hormones in non-synthetic, you know, non-synthetic ways, eating foods that increase progesterone, um, and then taking adaptogens to support adrenals. Adaptogens, it felt feels like for me a few years ago when I first wrote Body Love, it kind of felt like the beginning of CBD, where people were like, it's not a lot of research or we aren't really using it here in the States as often. Maybe the real mm-hmm. hippie health food stores and certain functional MDs are, but Taking it back, you know, five or yeah. six years ago when I was first writing that book, um, do you have recommendations? I know you said tinctures because yes, I totally agree with you. Sometimes we can get too many supplements on our shelves or in our medicine cabinets, and it's overwhelming. But when it comes to um, adaptogens, is there a time of day someone should be taking adaptogens to support their adrenals um, and or a dose that you're looking for? You know, I um, I think first of all, adapt. The, depending, this is why I like blends or formulations because um, you know it does it does matter when you take something. So if you if you take a, a nourishing and just a general adaptogenic 
a tincture that has like ashwagandha or astragalus or reishi mushrooms in it that are just generally nourishing and strengthening. I, I do something like that every morning. And believe me, they don't, we know they taste like hell. They're, they're yeah. horribly good. <laughs> you have to have, you know, uh, I'm, I'm getting pretty good at it now. I have a dropper full. A dropper full is a good dose. That's about 15 to 30 drops. But I think people should always start low and go slow. So start with half a dropper full. Under the, uh, I, I put water, I just take a big gulp of water, hold it in my mouth, squirt that dropper full in, and then swallow it and quickly eat some blueberries rich in antioxidants. Or you can put uh, the dropper in a little bit of water, chug it, and then drink something to clear the taste. Um, there's also, there are uh, adaptogens like licorice root and um, some of the mush, the reishi mushrooms that are excellent. And I'm not, I'm not really that schooled on the different uh, adaptogens, ginseng, dong quai, all of those are great for an uplift. In fact, I love to recommend, and you may have someone you love better, but Aviva Ram, who's a really brilliant, um, you've probably had her on your show, but she's a, yet, a mid... But- She's a midwife, uh, she's an MD from Yale, and she's a botanical medical expert. And she has compiled three tinctures that are a particular blend of these different numerous adaptogens. And so one is called Adrena Nourish, one is Adrena Uplift, and one is Adrena Soothe. So Adrena Nourish is morning, Adrena Uplift I use as needed. So if I have a day where I've got a lot of consults or public speaking, which isn't happening as much now. But you know, anything that's stressful, a period of heightened stress, or I didn't sleep well perhaps the night before, instead of going for the coffee and you know, anything that's caffeinated, which is by the way, a whip to the adrenals. We don't want to drink too much coffee, ladies. But um, you know, instead of going for the coffee and the sweets to keep me going, as so many people often do, you know, the quick hit of sugar, which is the worst thing to do. I'll have her Adrena Uplift, which is a perfect blend of certain adaptogens, which give me a boost. And then I'll also have a protein snack, you know, an apple with uh, peanut, some kind of nut butter, cashew butter, etc. I'll have a smoothie. And then at night, I think for people that have problems sleeping, um, for people who uh, are anxious, her Adrena Soothe is a blend of of soothing adaptogens that cause you to help you to relax and and to be able to you know get sleepy and calm and and fall asleep. And then there are you know there are other great things out there that I do suggest like GABA, which which is uh, the great calming uh, amino acid. And there are, there are just so many um, calcium, magnesium people who can't sleep, who are nervous, who have anxiety, and I can't tell you how many people I talk to that are suffering from anxiety lately, um, especially now. So if you, if you can't sleep, if you're nervous and anxious and you've got chocolate cravings, you most likely have a magnesium deficiency. Would you agree with that, Kelly? Yeah. Or and you with? know what? One of my favorite magnesiums um, is a co-branded Thorn product with Mind Body Green and they did a GABA magnesium um, blend. Oh, nice. That is like mm-hmm. one of my go-tos when someone's having 
sleep issues and feeling anxious. And especially, you know, it's just like a non-melatonin version of a sleep aid. And it's been, it's been great for so many of my clients, but I'll make sure that I get Aviva's. Um, I just saw them on her site. I'll make sure we get those tinctures up in the show notes so that people can, can give those a try, because I think that's kind of the barrier to entry. I mean, I love Four Sigmatic's Rishi coffees and things like yes, their little, I their little, their little, um, you know, elixirs and things like that. But it is about getting in the habit and making the habit easy. And I feel like exactly what you're saying. Like if it's eight pills versus like a little bit of water in your mouth and a squeeze of a dropper, it's a lot easier to get it down quickly and then move on to breakfast. But you brought up a couple of good points, which I think is think are really interesting. Um, you brought up the caffeine point, and there was just a study that came out that showed that people who had caffeine on its own first thing in the morning. Um, and breakfast after had poor wor- poor and worse blood sugar control the entire rest of the day versus just that first meal after um, mm-hmm. after coffee, which is so interesting, but it makes perfect sense. It's just that just that um, effect that it can have on wrecking your adrenals and having your liver giving up some of that stored glucose um, to kind of get you ready to run from a bear or a lion, and we don't yeah. we don't need that right now. <laughs> No, I mean, um, we're, we're, go ahead. I was going to uh, say, we're, we're just living from the, we're living from the neck. You know, we, we experience stress from the neck up, don't we? Definitely. It's all in our, <laughs> we're not really running from anything, but it's all in our minds. So we can't, we can't sleep. We can't focus. We can't concentrate. But a lot of this does come down to these different, um, these different unidentified or what I call hidden hidden imbalances that are so thwarting our best efforts because I, I'm really impressed with the effort people are putting into eating clean to you know getting trying to get in a good balanced exercise regimen. I, I, I do find that some people are not as um, they're not as aware that it's important to balance the exercise, you know, the high intensity with low intensity like swimming or walking or stretching or yoga just to get a balance in there. And I'm sometimes also surprised with people not knowing about the chemicals that are in our food, uh, the chemicals that are in our cleaning products, the chemicals that are in our cosmetics. Evidently, women... There was a study out of the UK. We, we're absorbing five pounds of chemicals out of the makeup we use every year. And tons of that makeup has... Um, you know, what we call these xenoestrogens or heavy metals. There's lead in lipsticks. These are all endocrine disruptors that really mess with our hormone levels. And, you know, the Cosmetic Safety Act hasn't even been updated for 80 years. Cosmetics, cosmetic companies don't have to submit their products for FDA approval. So we're putting stuff on our skin, we're putting stuff in our bodies, you know, what we're touching, what we're breathing, it, it's all creating. You know, a perfect hormonal storm, really. Right. right. I know. I think that that is when it comes to even preparing for pregnancy or when people, when yes. I start to really get a chance to work with clients outside of just the food, just knowing the amount of xenoestrogens that are out there and obesogens and endocrine disrupting chemicals that are really having a major effect on our ability. Like you said, these, these best efforts, these like, Almost, you know, so much effort when it comes to the food, and then 
feeling like it's not working and then they they overhaul their their exercise to this place of exhaustion where it is double days in yes. hit training and trying to break their body back into the into some kind of shape that they'd like it to be in but really taking a step back and saying like what can i do to pull this these other things out of out of my life and lower my chemical and toxic load to see if there's any benefit there i think i've I'm a huge proponent. I, have, I mean, I just love that you said that because it's it's there's a way bigger picture at play here, and we need to. Yeah, there is. What's going I, on. I always feel when I'm on a podcast afterwards, you think about what you said and what you didn't say. You get into the flow of conversation, and and you think, "Damn, I didn't mention that," or "I didn't," you know, that that didn't come up. And there are just uh, there are so many uh, so many things that. That people need to be aware of that it is it is very it's daunting, but it's not undoable. You know there are there we have we're so lucky we have so many great alternatives out there now. There's every kind of option. You know there's every kind of swap. In fact, on our newsletter, my daughters do a fantastic job on Instagram. If if your listeners want to go to our at your hormone balance Instagram, we have a sexy swap. Um, every week, all kinds of products. This is this is bad. This is a better choice, you know. So there are always there are always better choices, right? There's there, there can be there can be fear and there can be um, fear mongering and there can be um, paralysis by analysis. But in 2020, I will agree with you there. I mean, you can jump on apps like the EWG and Think Dirty, and you can yes. and on grocery websites like Thrive Market, and you can search. You know, you can search for foods and and beauty products and cleaning products for your home that are pulling out all these endocrine disrupting chemicals for you and for your future children and for your you know the kids in your house and for your grandparents for whoever but I love that I love that you mentioned that because that is just that is right you know that is right in line with what I think people should be focusing on right now and it's one by one you run out of something or you've decided that that's just not for you anymore find a cleaner alternative and do it doesn't have to be all at one time, but if you can start to really wean off of those chemical laden products, I mean, I'm sure you know we we show that those um, we see a massive drop in in urine excretion of these chemicals in as little as four days to two weeks. So, right. so powerful yeah. to make the change. There's a there's a great um, detox me Tuesday with Lauren Briding. She helps people actually get you know go through their their stores of stuff and decide what to pitch and what to keep and it is a gradual thing it's like don't get stressed about this conversation i found comet under my sink recently you know i mean it's it takes a while to become aware of what are the good the good things but i've seen in my history over the years wow we've developed so many so many great so many great helpful Products. I mean, who knew that fragrances can be loaded with these Xenos or that microwaving and plastic is loaded with, or that shower curtains with their phthalates and plastic softeners can be, you know, can be toxic to our health. Um, you know, flame retardant in the sofa has shown up in women's breast milk. So this is, it, it, it is a really important conversation. When people tell me, I, I ask people about their diet and they'll say, oh, I eat clean. And, and, you know, the effort to eat clean is, is just uh, across the board. I see everyone doing that. And then you go to the 2020 Dirty Dozen 
on the uh, Environmental Working Group's uh, website, and they'll tell you that the, the top three that are have the highest amount of pesticide residues are strawberries, spinach, and kale. Mm-hmm. So, you know... It, and it, so it's important to know, you know, what what these to just arm yourself so that you can make the best choices. Definitely, I completely agree. Well, I feel like I could talk to you all day long, but I definitely want our listeners to know how they can get their hormones tested, where to follow along with you, where to learn how to make all these really healthy, easy swaps. So, where can people follow along? Yes. Well, we have um, a website called yourhormonebalance.com. It's got a symptom checklist on it, and that's the first place to start. You know, we started the top of this show with talking about symptoms, and there's a quite a lengthy list of symptoms. So you'll find yourself in there most likely, and um, it will provide you with a guide to whether or not you need to possibly carry on and get confirm those symptoms in terms of imbalances that may show up on a test result. And we have um, our test, our tests measure all the main uh, steroid sex hormones, the estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, the DHEA, that ratio I talked about, and the four cortisols. And I would love to um, offer your listeners a hundred dollar discount off one of our test kits, which you can order on on the site, on the Your Hormone Balance website, and just put in the code "Be Well" by Kelly, and um, we'll be happy to give you a hundred dollars off. I think I think that it is life changing for people. I talk to people who are trying to get pregnant who've been on birth control forever, and once they stop, they aren't getting their period back, and it you know they're getting into a panic. We've helped people with heavy periods. We've helped people. Um, you know, rebalance and menopause. There, it, it's it's not that complicated once you become aware of your symptoms. You test for them, and then you, you know, take natural steps to. Uh, I I don't prescribe. I'm not a doctor. I'm an educator. So our aim is to test you. Those test results. We always talk on the phone to everybody for a good thirty to fifty minutes. We go through all the results, go through all the imbalances, the symptoms, and then send this follow-up action plan with all the natural things one can do to rebalance. Um, And then people often retest, which is the ideal, because if you start to change your regimen and make you know make holistic changes in your lifestyle, you're eating and you're using now some supplements, some of those we've talked about today, you want to see how those are working for you. So ideally, retesting in three months is a great idea. And we do offer a discount on that. But whatever someone's budget, it's just good to monitor and to know where you're at. And once you see that you're at that sweet spot, your levels are good, your symptoms are relieved, you feel like yourself again, and you can you know carry on with with um, you know carry on with with doing all the all the good things you know that are helping you to remain balanced and healthy and you can get to that place it's not balance is attainable it's not normal to feel out of sorts all the time so um, with that, hopefully you know I can encourage your listeners to to come come visit. <laughs> Definitely. And what I love uh, that you're offering, because you know a lot of people have their regular primary care physician, they don't have access to functional MDs or to naturopaths, or maybe they can't afford those type of things. But 
or they'll see those people one time and then never do that three month follow up and never understand how things are fluctuating and if they're fixing those imbalances that they identified at their first appointment yes. or that with that mm-hmm. first test and that's such a it's such a great tool to know that you can take your you know your health into your own hands and it doesn't have to be a mm-hmm. prescription and then you can you know take on these action steps and really start to see see the changes in your own life so i love that so much and i'm so glad that our listeners are getting a chance to know or have a resource like you to check in on themselves and check their hormone levels and follow up and and make some real changes in their life so Thank you, Candice, so much for being on the show. It was an absolute pleasure. Um, and uh, and I look forward to having you back again. Well, thank you. Absolute pleasure talking to you and happy, happy pregnancy and having your baby very soon. A happy, healthy baby. Thank swimming you. in that baby's swimming in a sea of progesterone right now. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm like feeling great. Well, I'm feeling fabulous. How am I gonna, you know, I would save that for another show, but like that's part two. Yeah. <laughs> Help me balance back out. Um, yeah. That's another conversation. Right. Wonderful. Well, thank you, <laughs> thank you again. And we will talk soon. All righty. Bye, Kelly. Bye. Thank you for listening to Be Well by Kelly. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Learn more at bewellbykelly.com and follow me on Instagram at bewellbykelly. I would love if you picked up my books, Body Love and Body Love Every Day. They're sold on Amazon and at all major booksellers. 